You're on Phoenix Nation on SENZ. Thanks to Oppo. And uh, joining us now is the analyst and assistant coach of the A-League Liberty women's team, Maya Vink. G'day, Maya. How are you? Hi. Good. I'm, I'm well, thank you. Yeah. That's a story, mate. That's a story. How have you enjoyed this season in this role working with Natalie? Yeah, I've, uh, I've really loved the season so far. Um, Natalie and I go back probably about 12 years that we've been working together as coaches. Um so we know each other pretty well. We're pretty familiar with uh, how we coach. And, yeah, when that kind of offered me the role, I grabbed it with two hands and uh, have really enjoyed the season so far. Quite different. Um, I've obviously never worked in a in a pro environment before. So um, definitely diff- different in terms of the week-to-week kind of um, programming of it all. But, uh, yeah, certainly loved it so far. That's great. What, what if, I mean, because you were at Capital Football, right? So you were working with rep players. But what's the difference from that level to stepping up to pro? Yeah, um, certainly a, a different level of, of detail. So um, I guess with capital football, it's kind of um, quite limited in terms of even camera angles or in terms of data that you can get from um, from the games and that sort of stuff. You're, you're probably doing all that work yourself as opposed to having some of the tools that we have available um, to us in the pro environment. Um and, and now I guess the expectation of, of younger players is to, uh, or players in the pro environment, is to um, have a, you know, a lot of access to help them get better. So whether it's video tools, whether that's stats, whether that's data, whether that's um, specific clips from opposition, specific clips from us, like there's, there's a lot to go through. Um, and then obviously watching the trends that are kind of happening either across the league or across world football, international football, uh, where, our, where our players are playing. So... Yeah, it's quite a, quite a bit to unpick, and it's just knowing when and where to kind of dive into into the detail. Yeah, I mean, I was going to say that's probably the the biggest thing, right? I mean, it, when you when you're coaching, I don't know the the capital under seventeens or something, it's very much just about you and your players and what you can do, um, because you just don't have tape of the opposition, so you just you work on what you know. Yeah, I guess as the as the seasons kind of grew on with the national league. Um, especially with capital football, we were pretty forward in using certain tools. So we'd, we'd un, you know, um, certainly review our games and, and kind of go through that with a fine-tooth comb and we'd definitely watch at least one game back of the opposition and we had access to do that, which was great. Um, that's now kind of stock standard across the National League, which is, which is fantastic. Um, but I think instead of watching maybe one game back, we're watching <laughs> at least three, sometimes more, of the opposition Um to really dig into detail of, of you know what to expect when we when we play them. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, it, yeah, certainly a, a whole different um, it's a whole different beast. Uh, I've I've got to wonder. You get home because obviously you, as an analyst, you're watching a lot of footage. You get home and think, I'm not putting Netflix on. I just see I can't do it. I look at a screen all day. <laughs> yeah, there's certainly some days. Um, so some days where I get home and I, and I don't really want to consume any more football. Um, to be fair, I've not really watched too much of Manchester United this year, which has been a bit uh, a bit weird. But I've been trying to watch more opposition game or even even men's A League games. I've been watching a bit more of them. Um, I guess trying to find what's what's relative and and um, relevant to us here. But um, it gets a bit like that sometimes, where you can just be like, <laughs> it's enough football for one day, especially when we're watching tons and tons of game tape or. You've watched your own game, you're like our own game back twice or three times. You're kind of um, ready to move on to something different. Yeah, well, I, was, I guess, you know, there are things you can pick up and take from things like that. And and one of those, I mean, you, you mentioned Manchester United, but is uh, Eric Ten Hag turning Luke Shaw into a left-sided centre-back 
for his ball playing ability. I mean, you know, those kind of ideas and and, and things. I mean, he's not, you know, your traditional six foot four centre back, but uh, mm. he certainly has at- other attributes. Yeah, and that's and that's kind of um, some interesting things to to see. And like I, for one, I don't. I like I follow Manchester United a little bit. I wouldn't say I'm a devoted fan and by any stretch of the imagination, but I'm really interested in, in certain coaches and the ones that are a bit more, I guess, creative or innovative with with changing just a few little things. And it's like for me, I, I really love you know observing those and seeing the impact that it has within. Um, within their squads and within their teams. And I think Den Haag's done a wonderful job, like the little, you know, Luke Shaw changes and, and things like that, finding full playing centre-backs. Um, you can kind of start to see how, how it impacts the rest of the team as well, you know, yeah. scoring more goals further up the pitch. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And another thing that I thought was is really interesting, I'd be interested to get your take on and how you, you see somebody do something, how easy is it to implement? And, you know, for example, uh, Pep Guardiola at Manchester City, right? He he did that thing a couple of seasons ago where his defensive midfielder, his six, actually dropped into a, what became a back three and then the two fullbacks pushed into midfield uh, mm. rather than staying wide. I mean, you know, for example, you look at that, how how easy is it to compute what he's doing and then try and implement it? Um, yeah, I guess, I guess with um, Pep, you're probably talking about a different, type of player that he would get then you know he's getting you know absolute world-class players some of the best in the in, you know in the world in the world trying to get the best out of them as a team and, and push them forward um i like to think we've, we've probably got different strengths here in new zealand and, and in the women's game as well um female players can be very switched on tactically so you can probably ask quite a bit of them um like when nat and i when that was the head coach of the national women's league and i was her assistant we played a three box three or three four three, and we um we loved it. So again, it was something different, something you know that kind of fitted the players that we had, fitted their strengths, um, gave us some width still in attack, which we loved. Um, but also gave us some security at the back. So you know, um, there's always, I guess, those those ways that you can kind of, again, like I like to explore different different things, different ways, different uh, formations, and that sort of stuff as a as an analyst. I guess you can dive into that a little bit more. Um, but uh. I guess the the proof is in the pudding is how well you can execute that, you know, with the team and then going onto the field and doing that. Yeah. 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 I mean, the, the pep thing was just a, uh, an example for, you know, I, I don't expect yeah. you to take that, but you know, that kind of thing um, from, from a day-to-day point of view or a week to week point of view, what does your role look like? How much of it is analyst? How much of it's on the field uh, on the, on the practice pitches? Yeah. So I guess, I guess my week kind of starts, post game day so I'll turn the game around kind of that night um and then obviously review it fully across the next 24 hours um and that's including you know sending clips to coaches and and, and players and stats and that sort of stuff um all the relevant information required to to say you know did we achieve what we wanted to achieve where do we maybe have some gaps or maybe where do we do really well um and then I'm already looking forward to the next you know the opposition that we've got in front of us um so like for example this week is sydney so you know got three games turned around with them looking at how they build up you know what threats they have in the attack obviously courtney vine is one that we're looking at this week as being someone that um is going to pose a bit of a threat uh then we've got um so you yeah, said so it takes up quite a bit of time the opposition analysis and um, then day to day is kind of the the training so each training kind of looks a little bit different there's some trainings where i can be 
on grass more as a coach, which I love to do and dive into coaching. Um, but certainly more so, I'm, I'm pretty blessed here in NZCIS where we train that there's cameras everywhere. We've literally got five cameras on the field <laughs> in any one moment. So it's trying to find the best footage we can so we can review the footage um, with the players and, and they can kind of um, have a look at what we're trying to achieve throughout those sessions as well. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I guess a part, you know, I, I think analysts and I think oh, you're looking to see you know, which of their back four maybe steps out a bit, places, you know, or maybe he's a little bit slower on the turn that you can get Paige in behind, that kind of thing. I mean, is it as simple as that or is is it more in depth? Yeah, there's certainly some general stuff, like general trends that we might see um, in terms of formation or how their formation slightly differs based, based on the players, like a Princess of Beanie would play slightly differently to a Courtney Vine. Um, so certainly like some some general differences and then we look at real specifics as well so especially you know how do they press how they build up you know like it's it's not just a formation but actually what are their triggers or what sort of stuff that kind of come into it so we can know what to expect and then giving the players enough to help them see those pictures I guess in the training days um, whether it be clips whether it be you know in a training how we kind of set up the opposition team um, or whether um, we actually just don't tell them everything. <laughs> you know, maybe it's just a little bit of detail as opposed to going overboard with all this detail. It can get a little bit muddly if it's too much, um, yeah. especially during weeks like this where there's some players away on international duty and that sort of stuff. We don't want to throw too much at them. Needs to be bite size, eh? Easy to digest. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. yeah. Actually, it was interesting. I watched a, uh, I don't know if you've seen it, but Sean Dyche has done a masterclass series of videos, Masterclass Tactics. And um, yeah, he talked about changing formations in game and, and saying like, you know, people make a big thing of it, but really it's only this player moving a couple of yards and that player moving <laughs> a couple of yards. It's, you know, it's, so it's, it's actually, once you know what you're doing and you're drilling it, it's actually quite easy to change formations throughout throughout a game. Um, yeah. I, I I doubt you've probably watched Sean Dyche's masterclass video, but I I, I I I I imagine that when you've done your coaching courses, that's something that you've you've discovered. I mean, how many formations do you guys work on for a game? Yeah, I mean, Nat Nat loves to work really principally, um, and the principles can kind of cross over. No matter if you're playing a four four two, a four three three, a three four three, doesn't really matter the the, the formation because the principles remain the same. Um, so we, we could be quite fluid in terms of different formations that we play um, or play against even. Um, we, we've pretty much stuck to um, the 4-3-3 this, this year. However, <laughs> when we've been down to 10 players, you've kind of seen different formations come in and, and it's actually worked really well for us. Two of our best games have actually come um, off the back of going down to 10 players. And actually from that moment, we've actually been very, very good um, either in position or or denying them spaces between lines and, and behind us. Um, the three three four two, as it's known, is is quite a um, it's known quite familiarly here. We've quite a bit, quite of enjoyed it to the point where we said, oh, maybe we should uh, start the game with ten and see how we get on. If we want to throw someone on, we can. But uh, <laughs> no, it's uh, we stick to the four three three predominantly. Yeah, um, Maya, tell us a bit about your journey. How did you get here? Because I mean, you were a rep footballer. You played for New Zealand at age group level and things. I mean, um, how did you get to where you are now? Yeah, um, yes, I started football kicking around after my brothers. But two older brothers, they were kind of rep level. One uh, represented uh, New Zealand secondary schools football. Um, so chasing around after them, I really just grew a, a love for the game. Um, it was pretty early Manchester United fan like I remember waking up in the you know early hours of the morning watching games all that sort of stuff and 
um, yeah, kind of made my way through the pathways with mainland football down in Christchurch. And then now I guess it's Canterbury United or whatever it's called. Yeah. Um, and then into the under-17s um, and that very first under-17 cycle, um, which was actually hosted here in New Zealand, that World Cup. Um, unfortunately, I didn't quite make the last cut. So I was I was, uh, I was pretty close to playing that World Cup. I didn't quite make it there. But I think what it did is that kind of spurred me on to maybe look at myself in a different light. And I still wanted to have a massive impact on the game here in New Zealand. I could see the potential for it. I could see that there was maybe some things that the female game was behind in, in terms of, you know, the, the access we had to certain things or the way we were treated in certain areas. So I felt like coaching was my route to, uh, to have that impact and to make those changes from kind of the inside out. So I went off to uni, did a Bachelor of Sports Coaching, um, as well as a Bachelor of Commerce. So kind of dived into that, dived into my coaching badges from a pretty young age. Like we're talking, you know, 17, 18. Oh, wow. Um, and it's quite often like I've been, in, you know, in a few different situations. Even did my UA for B in Ireland, where I was the only woman and you know, a woman in the room and it's coach educators and everything kind of combined. So you kind of have to learn to be pretty hardy. Um and I, to be fair, I actually really enjoyed those environments anyway. So it's not like I had to, to be um, anyone different than I, than I normally am. Um, after uni, uh, really wanted to go overseas and uh, lived in Holland for two years. Coached with FC Eindhoven, um, was the assistant of their, their first team and head coach of their reserve team, which I loved. Um, and they just eat and breathe football over there. It's just a totally different um, experience. So I loved that. I got thrown into goal one game because <laughs> <laughs> I injured the goalkeeper in the warm-up. So it was quite an experience. Um, and then I got an offer to go and coach in Canada. So I went and joined the Vancouver Whitecaps um, and their girls' elite program in their academy. So, again, learning from the best. Like I was working with, or not not day-to-day, but I guess the program was kind of led by John Herbman, Brett Priestman, um, working day-to-day with Emma Humphreys, Ryan Wilkinson, Mike Norris, who's now the Portland Thorns head coach. Obviously, Nat was over there as well. Um, so working with some incredible people. Um, so very, very lucky to rub shoulders with some of them. But the lure was always there to come home. Um, and after five years of being away, like it was nice to be able to, to share what I've learned overseas and bring it back here to New Zealand. So, yeah, I guess that's kind of how I got back here. And, wow. and now it's home. Yeah, yeah. Was like, you've been around the world with football. Fantastic. Yeah, I've been very lucky. Yeah, indeed. All right. Hey, Maya, thank you very much for your time. I really appreciate it. Good to talk to you, get a bit of uh, understanding about your role and, and also your background, mate, and uh, best of luck for the weekend against Sydney, eh? Thanks very much.